Welcome to episode 169 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up once more with Michael Lomans. Uh, we had him on the show uh, exactly 53 weeks ago, so just over a year. It's cool to catch up with him. See what Was he's that on a to. Wednesday? Um, I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe. So maybe it wasn't exactly 53 weeks ago. It was, maybe it was 53 and a half. In the ballpark. Uh, but it was fun to catch up with Michael again a year later. He's still at Facebook working on search, but we talk more about uh, career growth and leveling up, being successful in your job. Lots of very fun, interesting conversations. But before Designer we, therapy. Uh, design therapy for sure. Before we get into that, though, we want to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. Bueno. Bueno is an agency doing killer work for people uh, out of New York, San Francisco, and Reykjavik. They're a design agency that works with folks like Airbnb and Dropbox and Reuters and Boosted Boards and Zero. They are thinking from product design to web design to encouraging you to buy illegal pets in your state. And they are a group of people that we we love dearly. Uh, they have been supporting the show for so long uh, and they're not trying to sell you anything. What do they want you to do? They just want you to check out their work. Uh, their website is wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Follow along. Their, on their Twitter is account. one of the funniest things. Follow. Okay, like, all it's the, so amazing. All the Wayno designers have access to the Wayno Twitter it's account. It's so good. Uh, it's a hoot to follow along. That their is Instagram, where the illegal pets thing came from, by the way. Their Instagram account with gorgeous shots and videos of their rebrand, which has been rolling out over the last couple months. Uh, and of course, their website has case studies for you to get inspired, learn about their process, see their work. Uh, and of course, if you're looking for your next level up, they're hiring. They are looking for designers in New York and San Francisco. You should join them. You can go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Check out the work. Click the careers link in their header. Of course, tell them that we sent you. Otherwise, just follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram or get inspired. Check out their Dribble account. They are a rad group of people. The raddest. Absolutely doing amazing cutting edge work for companies and, and amazing brands that you'll recognize. And we're so happy that they are sponsoring the show. So thanks again to Wayno. Check them out at wayno.co. And with that, let's get into episode 169 with Michael Lomans. I have, yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to that episode. Oh, cool. Actually, I, I re-listened to it like, um, like half a year ago. So I, d- I don't know what I said back then. But anyway, hey, I'm Michael we Lomans. About, we talked about oh, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. So the previous episode was apparently 53 weeks ago. We uh-huh. talked about Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still Michael Lomans. Uh-huh. I am still a product designer on search at Facebook. Oh man, um, which is um, a completely different job than what it was a year ago. Hmm. But it's really, really awesome. Okay, hang on. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, without saying too much, I yeah. think we like as as a team and as a product and as a um, as an effort within Facebook. I think we've evolved a lot in the last year. The org has grown a ton. Yeah, it's. I think we we grew like solid 50% or something. Um, we have a lot more designers on the team now. We, um, we have a lot broader of an effort. Um, and a lot of it is kind of culminating to, um, yeah, we're going to just change a bunch of things soon and it's going to be exciting. Okay. Uh, how has your role changed in the last year? Is it the same? Um, I think there's a lot more um, what they like to call indirect impact, which is like I don't get to spend as much time behind a screen, um, like pushing pixels around and like 
making specs and like handing it off and really like following up on that. Um, a lot more following up happens in like a way broader sense. So, um, so I have like a team of, um, I support a team of like 60 people now and it's 60. Yeah. Six zero. Yeah. Like 50, 60 ish. Um, and so it's basically a, an, an eng lead, um, a product management lead and then myself. And then we have, um, a team that really focuses on like, um, discovery, um, within search. So mm -hmm. like how, um, how can we, um, show you that you can actually like go out and discover things, um, compared to directly trying to find them. How many designers do you? So on the, oh, on that you, team, it's myself and, and two designers. And you're not a manager. I'm not a manager. No, I'm technically not a manager. Um, Primarily because I want to be more focused on the product than on, on the people side of things. I really care about the people side of things, but it's as with photography, I don't want to make it my job. Yeah. Maybe like maybe in parentheses just yet, but <laughs> um, it doesn't feel um, natural for me to like make that my job right now. And like the same, like back in, I think it was like 2006, I was like trying to do the photography, photography thing. And it just like didn't feel right. And then I just stopped taking photos for like a year. Do you ever try to quantify that? Like feels right. Doesn't feel right. It might feel right. If, um, I hate, I hate this phrase, but that's a really good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> mainly because I don't really have like any direct answer to that. It's hard to quantify these things in on a, on an analog scale. It's very mm -hmm. much like a digital yes, no, it kind of goes to the um, making a decision and sticking by it. So, like, if you if you can look at it through a d couple of different lenses, say, like, you take half a dozen different ways of thinking about a problem, and most of them um, let you make the decision in one way, then that's probably how you'd want to make that decision. It's way more important what you do after the fact, mm -hmm. which is, I've made this decision and now I'm going to stick with it. And so... An example of this is um, when when I moved to San Francisco and I like started working with Instagram. It was very much a I'm gonna like do. I'm I've moved. I'm not gonna challenge any of these things that I've d done so far. I'm gonna like 100% give myself to this job and and figure out how this like what beauty this city has to offer. And in a year, I'll reassess because I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. I'll probably like look back a year from now and be like, wow, like I, I don't even like recognize this person mm -hmm. a year ago. Um, and I don't think that I would have any kind of sense of how to control that or how to be intentional about getting a better outcome out of that year. Mm -hmm. And I think the same, like the same thing like counts for many different other decisions. Like once you've, once you've decided to take a plunge, you should just be okay with it and like kind of ride it out for a while. Trust yourself. Of, yeah. Yeah. You got to assume that you made the right decision. Otherwise just questioning it perpetually will end up nowhere. And this goes actually back to design where I, there's a lot of merit, especially early on in your career to do broad exploration mm -hmm. and then like kind of doubt yourself and, and like dwindle it down and like converge on like a couple of ideas and then expand and then converge again. And after like a couple of days or weeks get to a solution, where now a lot of what I get to do is look at a lot of work that we're doing, like all three of us, and then seeing where it all connects mm. and just making a bet on it and um, 
and pushing that forward with as much energy as I can. Mm. Um, Does that mean selling internally or? It doesn't, there's not a lot of selling involved anymore because I think our core principles are like, are pretty solid. Like we want, we want to make a, um, on search, we want to make a product that that's predictable and that, um, that people feel like they have control over. Mm -hmm. And so if you keep on kind of, um, reiterating those values to your like cross-functional partners, to your like product managers, your, your analysts and your, um, engineers, then eventually it'll just stick and they like start thinking with you. Um, I think it's more, more important to, um, just make that decision and not get stuck in, um, oh, maybe like option B is better than option D because X, Y, and Z and option D is like the trade-off is that it's better at, at X, Y, and Z, you know, like, so mm-hmm. If you make the decision, you can always like rethink it down the line after you've iterated on it in in real life. But if you're just kind of in this like cerebral, like design um, vacuum, getting lost in your own head, yeah, exactly, and forever so, and ever. And so, not only like in in design, especially within like big companies, get, do you get lost in your own head? You then get lost in the heads of your like design team, and then you get lost in the heads of your cross functional team, and then you have to sell it to your leads and then it goes out the door. The and, downside of the hive mind. Yeah, well, in a sense. But the, the cool thing about it is if you actually like um, don't think about it from the bottom up, which is like you, your design team, your cross-functional team, um, and then your leadership, um, and you look at leadership, their job is to make a clear decision, ask as many questions to clarify whatever your intent is, and then make a clear decision as fast as possible to unblock you as best as possible. Mm-hmm. And the best leaders can tell you what they think is right in a way that makes you feel empowered to go forth and build it. This is the difference between good feedback and positive feedback. Yes. In my mind. In in, in a sense, because you can get you can get a lot of like positive and or negative mm-hmm. feedback, but like the clarity of walking out of a room with like somewhere between like three to, I don't know, 12 people and all having heard the same decision, then debriefing on like what that could mean and and that debrief not being a super divergent conversation, but very much focused, that's mm-hmm. what helps like companies run really fast. Well, so that's good leadership. What about bad leadership? What if you... Um, vehemently disagree but their leadership i think bad leadership gets you out of like one of those one of those like review rooms and you're just not sure what you need to do like bad leadership on a lower level is like dealing with a um creative director or a design manager or whatever and um or a ceo at a small startup um who tells you no this is not it go try some other things yeah right like even like this is not it go try that i'll know when i see it yeah like that kind of stuff just doesn't work right and i think this is this is where like like zuck is like a prime example of evolving into a great leader because way back like there was a lot of thrash when it came to design because there there was a lot of vagueness sometimes coming out of these rooms and nowadays like like he'll just make calls and a lot of it, like he actually trusts to design org already to have made all these decisions the right way. And so he needs to make this meta call about like how, how does this work for the Facebook ecosystem? Um, How, 
Um, will this affect other teams? You know, like you'll get like the decision plus like, oh, caveat one and two, talk to these people, talk to those people, just just to make sure that they don't feel like like they're getting a short end of the stick. Even the, uh, they did a student project, I think, video credit or like intern projects, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and you could watch that online. Like it was very clear that there was um, a better sense of clarity than I've seen a lot of places before. Like it, it seems to be a much more well-oiled machine. Oh, I've was seen. that the the live video or like? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think that's important, and that's where um, if you if you can trickle that decision making and that clarity down um, without becoming like a top down manager or leader, then you can actually create a, a company and an organization that empowers people to come up with new ideas and to go out and like discover like what could be the best solution to something as well as like helps that discovery space become more focused over time. So can we take that back because you said bad leadership might be a creative director saying this isn't it like try again. Yeah. So what's the balance between or like what would be a better approach for that creative director or design manager Mm -hmm. who knows that the solution isn't the right solution to either say what they think is the right solution or on the opposite end of the spectrum, say nothing and say like, go try round two. Maybe in their head, they're empowering that designer to like have agency over the decision-making process instead of just telling them what's wrong or what to do. Mm-hmm. Like where, sh- where would one hope to land in, in talking to, as, as a leader, manager, talking to someone like that? I think it, one of those other great sentences, it depends on the context. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. I think with, with this specifically, if you are if you are in the role of like a, a creative leader and time is of the essence and you only have like a couple of days or a couple of weeks, then it is completely fine to be prescriptive and get down in the weeds and like, but then you need to be very clear about what you want. If time is not a, a problem right now that you have to deal with, then help people with some different ways of thinking about it. And so, you know, like if you're, if your head's down and you're in your design work, then there's a big chance that you just like, you just get lost in like a couple of different trains of thought. You like have like two, three, four, five explorations and then like you can't really come up with something new. Um, and helping them like reframe the problem or think about it in a different way. Like think about it like, um, like think about it from like a color perspective. Think about it from a typography perspective. Think about it from like how it fits in the system. Think about it from like a product management perspective. What if we get data back that shows that like this part of the product um, is actually way more important? How would you emphasize this part? Um, just giving them different like stories to think through in their head to actually get to the right result um, or different results that actually do feel right. Does it often come down to granular visual principles like typography and color? Like, no, but I think that like, I mean, we can we can talk about this purely as from from a product thing, but yeah, but not looking at just a product perspective. Like, if I were a poster designer, which I have never been, so whatever I say is probably not as meaningful <laughs> as any product poster designer. boy, Michael Lomans. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that for that, I would say, hey, think about it from like a um, like a different perspective. Yeah. Think more like, what if you could only use geometrical shapes? What if you could only use like some serif font? What if it's only like like Helvetica Neue medium? Because many Quit of the jobs, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, like and just 
like sometimes you just want to say something. It could either be like rude or um, completely polarizing or like completely prescriptive just to make someone think about a problem in a different way. And and sometimes you actually want to be like way more thoughtful and and help them like kind of converge onto where you think that it should go. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to make sure that people feel both empowered as well as focused while while they like try to solve whatever problem they have. Maybe a visual design problem, a product design problem, a motion design problem. Um, and sometimes you want to make sure you do the polar opposite, right? Like you, and but then you should be very engaged in the process and just check in consistently because that's your job when you're like, like your job also becomes then mentoring one of these designers, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't think that like, like as a as a design leader, you should just be like, oh, these are my cronies; they are going to make my pixels my pixel and my flow, yeah. yeah, and then. At the end of the day, they're going to show me this beautiful like sketch file that has like twenty artboards in them, and I'm going to like make some like X's and some some beautiful like annotations, and then they're going to fix that. That's not how it. That's not how you grow people. That's not how you like teach a teach a man how to fish. Mm. <laughs> um, that's a bad fish. <laughs> yeah. Why did you catch that fish? This <laughs> fish is the wrong color. Start over. You should have caught a better fish. You're using the wrong rod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, wrong. Use your hands. Shouldn't use sketch. Yeah, you know. Uh, You're not using your hands right. One thing. Not even giving them the rod. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> well, it sounds like maybe you've gone towards this direction of giving that sort of feedback as a mechanism for impact. And I want to have, ask some follow up questions about impact. But mm-hmm. does that sound right to you that you've your role has become more about like helping people? converge and and ask questions or frame problems in different ways is that what where you're working right now that's that's a lot of what i get to do so on the one hand with the the um visibility that i have into what we're trying to do on search and what we're trying to do at facebook a lot of like just crazy random ideas are just things that i will note down and then talk through with like people on the, on the design team, but also on the product team. And, um, and then they'll just be open-ended like ideas that might turn into a project or what might, we might find a way to connect it to one of our goals or like one of the things that we're already doing. On the other hand, um, a lot of the things from, for the projects that are running, a lot of it is trying to like think, like think through the problem in different ways. So I think that that's exactly like what you're what you're pointing to. And then um third, there is like time spent on on iteration and different approaches and that's where I actually like kind of like to help people make decisions faster so they don't look at that major nebulous sketch file for a week where like on Tuesday I could have probably said, "Hey, like that feels right because of X Y and Z." What's the line between, I mean, this is kind of going back a little bit, but like what's the line between doing that versus what some might say, like micromanaging or being the over-the-shoulder creative director? like Hovering art director. Hovering art director, that's the one. Yeah, I think with a hovering art director-ish role, what you're trying to do is like um, you're in at every moment of the day, you could just like pop in and just be like, hey, like I don't think that that's right. And like people are kind of in fear of you. 
Whereas move that two pixels left. That looks silly. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Stuff like that. Right. Like really like some like small stuff and micro micromanaging. I think that what the difference is you're probably, you probably want to ask questions instead of like tell people what's wrong or like what's right and just help them like come to a logical conclusion. Why did you do that? Yeah. That helps change mindset instead of just like a pixel value one time. Right. Yeah. But and again, we go to the teach them how to fish problem, right? Um, there's also this thing where we have a weekly critique on our team. And a lot of what, what I hope that I am doing is um, catching a, a lot of these like criticisms that you would get in that session that I just know off the, off the top of my head would come out or that would come out in a product review and already catch them before they go there. Um, and in that sense, like I'm designing more for, or I'm thinking, through a design problem more as part of a process. It's unblocking the process. Yeah. Right? And so truly like, like regardless on if you're a manager, like whatever, like the, the name of your role is, whatever the, um, whatever the kind of specific job or team is that you work on, like as soon as you turn into a leadership role, you need to start unblocking and you can actually like, there's no, there's no bit that gets switched between you being an IC or a leader or like a junior designer or a leader. Like you can actually be that the same thing in you can take on different roles in the same um like day even, right? If you mm-hmm. come in and you have like these traits that you were already like kind of a leader in college and you're like, I don't know, 22, 23 and you come into a big company or into a small startup and you start asserting yourself as hey, I think that this will help us unblock our process and go forward. And I'm not 100% sure if this is the right call right now, but I think that like sitting in the same mode or looking at this problem for another three days isn't going to help us solve it. Um, that asserts you as a leader. Like it's regardless of age, role, level in a company. Um, and those are like skills that eventually people will cultivate over time. Um, and some will have like like from the get go, and then it's important that your organization is actually okay with someone taking on this role. Because if you have this very top down approach, and you're like at an agency with an art director who will say, "No, you're wrong, and you should just move pixels around," um, or you're at like a product company or a tech company that's that has that same vibe, then you're not gonna want to come up with more of this stuff. Now, the the top down approach has its benefits. Um... I think we talked about this with someone recently about like there's the tyrant structure and then there's like the consensus structure, right? Like you can decide product decisions by consensus, which is more value based and like talks about like who we are as a company or it can be like you can like inherit values from a tyrant, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I think this was with Andy and Maylee. Mm-hmm. The main benefit there being like you, you avoid uh, subjective arguments, right? Like, Someone can be like, oh, well, I just like this better. Hmm. How do you avoid that kind of conversation? I constantly run into this, like, no, well, I think that's subjective. It's like, well, I maybe think, it is. Yeah, that that goes back to setting yourself some rules and guidelines as soon as you can. And rules and guidelines are not set in stone, but at least having a framework that everyone agrees with that you can work on, or like most people agree with even. Um, if you don't set yourself that like kind of 
that little box that you can work in, then that's where subjective comes in, right? Like, like should that thing be 20 points from the left or 24? Well, we're on an eight grid, so it's 24. Why are we on an eight grid? Let's not challenge that right now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you want to have, let's have that conversation later. Yeah. Um, and Which means never. Which could be never, but it could also mean that you would set up an effort to actually do like do solve that, right? Like, oh, we have these like two two wash colors and two text colors, and then um, this whole spectrum of like any kind of color that you need, and well, like don't think about any of the other colors. Like, I whenever I like started side projects, you're always just like spending a day at a coffee shop trying to figure out like. What are the typefaces? What are the colors? And I kind of got away from that. I was just like, no, the typeface yeah. is just going to be like Proxima or Helvetica. And like, I'm going to work through this whole problem. And then at the end, I'm probably going to like challenge this thing again. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to like keep myself in this rut. It's like the empty like page for mm -hmm. a writer. Mm -hmm. Like just like, I think Merlin Mann like said this once where it's like, you're only a writer if you're writing. Yep. And so just start writing and then like start like editing and, or throw it away, whatever. But don't like stop yourself when you're three lines in or half a page in or five pages in. Just keep going, just keep going. And then go and find like the golden nuggets that like are, are in whatever you mm -hmm. made, whatever like you produced. I remember when I first joined Facebook, I was so scared of fucking it up. Everyone has. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to get over that. And then you like realize that if you just adhere to certain, like there are principles in place and decisions that have been made before you that you don't have to question again, that will actually help you move quite quickly to the point where you're not going to fuck anything up. And if anything, you you can iterate down the road. Uh, but that took me a little while to realize. Work, uh, working with Brian has made getting started much easier because he's like, nope, San Francisco UI text, that's all <laughs> there is. And it's at these sizes done. Like yeah. we've already done this. We, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. But there is something there, right? Like, I think that if you feel empowered with the tools that you're getting, because they're not just guidelines, they actually become tools, mm. then 80% down the line, you can be like, okay, for this, like, sub-product, I think that we should have a different type of branding or, like, or like a different key color or something. Well, I think this can come out in, like, app icons and stuff, too. Like, people will move away from their actual system, which makes yeah. things really hard and makes subjectivity, like, a lot more of a threat. Well, and, and that's, it's fine to have subjectivity in, in that little corner of like the, whatever project you're working on, as long as most of it is unblocked, you know, like you can, um, you can have, as long as 95% of your process is unblocked and then you're still looking at the icon, like someone in like, like leadership is just going to come in and be like, I'm going to make this call. You might not be happy about it, but truly like, it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, if we want to talk about the Instagram icon for a second and like how long that took, it truly doesn't matter that much. There's a vocal minority that will complain about it consistently, but people aren't going to open the app less for it. Actually, because it's that recognizable, people will probably gravitate more towards it, even though they don't like it, like subjectively. <laughs> I was more opposed to the previous one, so it is actually on my home screen now. Yeah, well, that plus Instagram stories has been like game changer for me. But you're also part of like this minority that the problems, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and not in, not not the problem, but like basically in a sense like that care about that, right? And yeah. so 
I, I was in the fortunate place to always have the beta version on there, which wasn't the same icon, but it wasn't that much better of an icon. <laughs> um, but it, it was flat. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, I've seen it. Yeah. It's a pretty good looking icon. Well, the new one is great. That whole rebrand is. The, uh, the word that you mentioned earlier, like you, you said you found yourself in the last year switching from having direct impact on pixels <laughs> to indirect impact. Uh, and one of the things I've noticed at Facebook is like this focus on impact and uh, the way you level up is to have more impact and have impact on your team and then uh, cross-team impact and then company-wide impact and then in- industry-wide impact. Impact, impact, impact. And anytime a buzzword arises, I like it starts to lose its meaning for me. It just becomes a word that you can use. Yeah. Impact so, is just a font, dude. <laughs> Well, I want to know your perspective, having been there for a while and also having said, you know, I'm now having more indirect impact. Like, what does that mean for you? And then as you're advising people that are going through a career, like, what does it mean to focus on impact or have more impact? Like, I personally very heavily dislike the word impact because it gets... It goes into the subjectivity realm, like what does it actually mean? Um, but I actually like using it because it is becoming kind of this, um, it is becoming a term that that will eventually have a core meaning probably across companies. It will probably translate well over time. Um, right now, I think what happened... Specifically, what I can say for Facebook, I believe that impact probably came around the time of the engineering culture, and so it hasn't fully translated to design yet. Because impact can be many different things. It can be, oh, you pushed a product out the door. Um, it can be you helped refocus a team. It could be you actually like unblocked like three people when they had career like anxiety or problems you know like it can mean so many different things and that level of clarity isn't truly there yet having said that impact is definitely not the amount of pixel shipped even though like some people do feel that i don't have a solution so i'm not necessarily going to say that it's completely broken i think that like we're at facebook we're getting to better assessing like someone's influence and and amount of like output but it's see, output would be a horrible word because output would probably only mean amount of pixel shipped or like amount of pixel shipped per like like monthly active users. I, I only designed for the seven plus. I get a one point five x bonus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> multiplier. Um, and so I think that um, this is probably more the job of a manager more so than like another like type of design leader within or like product leader or engineering leader within the team. But um, it's important to point out to people how they are already having impact and how they could have more impact in, in a given time period. And that has the risk of becoming super corporate all of a sudden. Um, And this is why this is actually one of the reasons why I haven't gone into the official like title of manager yet is because I like to be a little like loose and about this and like kind of be off the cuff and have, you're like, you're blocking my understanding of your role 
could you please unblock that? <laughs> yeah. Am I? Truly? <laughs> so, it's a little subjective right now. Yeah. So, so basically, I, the thing that I lead, quote unquote, is and support is a product effort. It's not necessarily people management. So therefore, I don't have to be in like what we call calibrations. And like, I don't like have to figure out like if someone goes up for promotion, all this kind of stuff. So the people management part of it, I, I don't have to do. But what I do get to do is with the context that I've had from being at the company for over four years now, with that knowledge, I can help other people. So I can tell them, hey, I once was in one of these situations or I saw someone who was in this kind of situation and this is how they got out of it. Um, think about it this way and may- maybe that's like how you can solve like your personal like like issues that you're currently like going through or like kind of problems that you're dealing with. This might be an opportunity for you to have a better half. Also like Im- <laughs> impact of Facebook is like based on a, on a half-based structure, which also doesn't always work well because some that's of these, basically like a semester right yeah six months yeah six months yeah and so it's hard for design work work to always fit in that grid and it's important to appreciate the amount of progress that is made in a half without clearly like something going out the door and so that that is also like where it gets it gets nebulous the the, the true like thing that i think is important if you have more context than other people on like how to deal with these with a situation like this so if you've been at a company longer even if you're like in a different role like if you're like if you're some product manager who's been like at a company for 2 years and it's like a 3 year old startup and some new designer comes in it would be really um really positive or like really like it could unlock a lot of potential in this new person to make them feel empowered if you just give them the lay of the land, if you tell them the like somewhat of the like nitty-gritty problems that you've already dealt with and how you got through it, like things to to look out for. Which gets me to Brian's point just now, where he was like, Well, when I just joined Facebook, I was like kind of like like out of my depth and trying to figure out like I was kind of scared. And so whenever in the last like year and a half I've been saying to anyone who I meet in interviews, if the question arises about like how it is to work at a company or how it like Facebook or how it is to um, join Facebook, or if we're like out at a like recruiting event or something, I'll be really honest about the fact that in the first six to 12 months, you're probably going to feel the most imposter syndrome that you've ever felt in your life. And that's fine. That's actually completely okay because you get to work with so many immensely smart people, just like to an, to a ridiculous extent, smart and intelligent humans that, yeah, if you come in with some like, like a laissez-faire designer attitude, but you truly want to like make impact, then you're probably going to be in a bad place for a while. If you come in and you very intentionally want to um, immediately hit the ground running and kick ass, then you're going to be in a bad place for a while. But if you come in and you're just open, and um, there was this thing that uh, Wilson Minor once said in his When We Build Talk, um, which is to be available in response um, this guy, Robert Irwin, who was this artist, he would like go into a space and like he would say that he was available in response and then he would do something with said space. Like if you come into a company, I think any company, like this is not like specific to 
um, just the Facebook. You need to be available to whatever situation is presented to you um, because you definitely did not get all the ins and outs during your interview process. It's not going to probably be like your last job. Um, if if you're a like, newly graduated designer, it's clearly not going to be like your last job. Hopefully. And so... <laughs> And so try and go in without too much judgment and without too many preconceived notions about how it should be and just look at how it is and then figure out like what positive change you can bring to that situation or where like where you can pick your battles. I think that might be part of uh, an answer to this next question, which is like now that you've been at Instagram and then Facebook uh, for several years. You've seen the design org grow massively, especially in the last year. Like, what do you notice people that come in that end up becoming quite successful? What are they doing in their first year that made them successful? Is it is it that attitude? Is it networking? Is it that they got lucky and landed on a team that happened to ship a product that blew up? Like, what what have you noticed that helps designers really level up in that first year to get quite comfortable and actually, I don't know, have quote unquote impact at a meaningful stage. There's a couple of very specific things like the kind of being open to what, like whatever is being presented to you or like this being available in response notion is it completely removes ego from the conversation. So like, it's not about you. You're part of this bigger thing now and, and you're going to do some great things and it's unclear where they are, but that's one of them. So like completely taking yourself out of the equation and thinking more about the, the the team and then the bigger picture of like where you are landing. The second thing is, I think what's really important um, is to talk to as many people as possible in the first like couple of weeks that you're at a company, not just on your team, but across teams just to get people like different takes. And I think it's important for companies to be set up to kind of empower that So like if you come in and um, you want to talk to the, um, I don't know, like one of the heads of partnerships or something, that's probably really important from like a design perspective because that's not a person that you're normally going to be talking to. Like there's no way that you're going to be in a room together unless you're going to be talking about some like marketing website for partners or something, right? And just like getting their thoughts on like what their job is and how they look at it could be super helpful. Um, if you're at a big organization, like just going across teams, like, you know, like a company like Apple doesn't, I, I don't think that they do this, but like, how awesome would it be to go talk to someone in hardware when you're like, I don't know, like you just came in and you're designing iPhoto or something. Yeah. You know, this because there's someone who's going to build that portrait mode and like you want to like start using that in iPhoto and you want to think of cool shit around that. Unless someone top down, I guess, says, hey, we need to get this end to end portrait mode stuff solid. Y'all need to go sit together. Mm -hmm. That's when you're probably going to be talking to these people. And so if you have the opportunity, just like start talking to people and start getting different um, viewpoints of of what... um, what it means to be at wherever you work. And then I think the third thing is probably consistency. It's not that someone who grows into a company is like has one stroke of genius every year. It's probably just this consistent 
effort of being there, allowing people, or like coming up with ideas that are focused and move your and move your team forward and being able to explain that in a good way and then once you i think once you do that a couple of times that has some like leadership traits that that kind of elevate you within an organization and you don't have to like launch some 100 million daily active user app out of nowhere but like if you were part of the process that got that thing out that's actually like the the important part there it's not the fact that it's out the door it's like how you how you acted in that creation process and then beyond that it starts becoming more and more natural to take on these roles start start with an anecdote like i um i had a pretty hard time taking on like kind of that natural leadership role when i was still at instagram and just like didn't feel I don't know, there was like some kind of like mental block that just kind of kept me from it and completely taking myself out of the context and changing it and getting into a new space where I didn't know anything. And therefore, like my mind was kind of clear. I didn't have any like preconceived notions. Like I hadn't seen this company go through three years of craziness. Um, When I joined search, I just like sat back for like two months just listening to people. And, and then learning how do different people think about the same problem and where is this signal amongst the noise and where can we push this forward? And after like these two months, I was like, oh, I kind of have this understanding of like, this is probably what we can do. And then you do this next step mm-hmm. and you work on that for two months. And then you realize that there, there are all these other low, we call it, people use the word low hanging fruit all the time, but it's <laughs> actually probably better to say logical next steps. In this process, you know, like there are five items of low-hanging fruit. No, there are five logical next steps. And then you prioritize those. And then there are a couple of more logical next steps. And then sometimes you need to like do a major breaking change or like you have like this long, like this, um, like long one, this one-year project that kind of works orthogonal to the work stream of iteration and logical next steps. And then eventually you try to converge on those things and once you do that, magically, there are logical next steps. <laughs> How do you think of uh, the incentive structures around long-term projects like that? You mentioned that Facebook is on this like half half review cycle, so every six months. Yeah, I think but what it, if you have a year's worth of work before you're actually going to make meaningful progress? I think it's important for for an organization to make it clear that that's fine. It, it's not just for designers. Like, imagine you're you're an infrastructure engineer and you need to like move everything over to a new, better database system. That's not going to be done in like a half. It's not going to be done in like two halves. That might actually take two years or something, right? Like, especially at like certain scales. Um, there was this one project. Um, I don't know how long it took, but we talked about it for a long time, which was basically moving all of Instagram's infrastructure over to Facebook. Mm-hmm. That only happened two years after we got to Facebook. Yeah. And I'm fairly sure that from like somewhere in the first couple of months, did these conversations start about how we were going to do that? Um, and and it's important, I, I'm fairly sure that the engineering organization there is like set up to kind of um, judge and appreciate that quote unquote impact on a half. Um but then, yeah, there's only one celebratory moment for that person, yeah. right? Like, 
Yeah. And it's not like they're magically going to like skip like three levels and become a director or something. You have because you launch this one thing. No, it's like over time, like, like as you were going through this project, your job was not just to, to write code, but it was also to talk to people and, and get more and more important stakeholders involved to get there. Like if you're just a person writing the code in, in the background, you're probably going to grow less in your career. Um, or less, at least internally in your career. Well, you, might, you might grow as an IC or something, right? Like, yeah, but like, like even even as like an IC, eventually, like you'll want to be in the room and like explain to other people why. Um, as as a design IC, you want to explain why do you make. Nah, no, I'd rather talk to computers than people. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and then you and that's a natural cap. Like you you impose a natural cap, and that's fine. By the way, that's completely okay. Um, this goes back to the like if you make if you want to make a decision like that, and. Um, and you you just want to get really really good at executing. That's awesome. Like um, the only thing that people around you then need to make sure of is that you are always able to do that. So if you're like a amazing zero to one designer who can um, like in a year build a new a, a new app over and over again with crazy ideas and 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 like ruthless execution then you just need to make sure that your manager or the team around you sets you up to do that and one yes that's their job but also you need to like sometimes keep them in check on that right because it's really easy to to then just become a resource and then an underappreciated resource or there's not enough conversation and you just feel underappreciated a pixel pusher yeah you become undervalued because you're effectively a machine yeah, but like you don't have to be right, and I think mm-hmm. that's like again like there's a lot of conversation, a lot of um, context that is like very important there. Um, when did you start thinking about your work in the scope of a career? Like we talk to a lot of people, or at least I do, that are like, I don't think of what I'm doing as part of a career. I'm just doing what whatever opportunities come up. Like I'm latching onto that, and then maybe in retrospect 20 years down the road i will have had a career do you have a career plan yeah do you think about it in that way or do you have do you have a plan for what is your career this is something i've thought a lot about <laughs> over the past like there, year or is it just a career retrospective there's there's an analogy here where i don't believe in new year's resolutions because i think that that um that time frame isn't granular enough and i don't think that I have a good sense of my overall career, or I don't think that I believe in in that as a concept. Like but managing I, a trajectory. Yeah, but I think that a career in general, like especially in in a creative field, or like like where I where I feel that I am now, mm-hmm. um, if I would leave, say, like a company like Facebook to go do something else, the only decision that would be part of a career trajectory is to do the same or one level up job at a different company or to do kind of a lateral step in which at a smaller company, I would get a way bigger role. That would be a career choice. That would be like a trajectory thinking. But on the other hand, like what if you just don't want to do like digital products for a while? What if you want to make a book? That's also like a a choice of like what you want to do. It's not necessarily like a career trajectory thing. So what if you get to be a junior designer, but on Mars? <laughs> yeah. 
I think that doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, no, no. Because there's like I would say that Mars is a like smaller organization, and therefore <laughs> you'd probably like want to. They get paid Mars bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You actually get paid. It pays Mar- you definitely Mars less, <laughs> but you own a tenth of Mars. <laughs> yeah, for now. And it's filled with a massive, massive storage facility with Mars bars mm-hmm. and Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> what? Have you never seen Idiocracy? No. It's this, um, I think, Mike Judge movie. Yep, Mike Judge. Um, about like how everyone just like ends up sitting in these paws that hover around. Everyone gets it's obese and drinks Gatorade. Luke Wilson, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Luke yep. Wilson, yeah. And uh, Maya Rudolph. And it's a hilarious movie. Terry Crews is the president. Yeah, it's so scary. Oh, it's terrifying. It's it's almost... Oh, actually, I might have seen this. It's believable-ish. Yeah. In believable-ish. that terrible way. But yeah, I don't like... I don't think that there is a, like, personally, I don't see a large career trajectory, but there's definitely a model for that um, if you don't switch context as much. Um, I Now, looking back, I do see a career trajectory within an organization, um, but only after, this goes back to, like, when I moved to San Francisco, I gave it a year, year and a half to not challenge any of the basic decisions that I've made. And that was like a really relaxing year, even though like like we all on like Instagram worked our team off, our, our ass off, our team off. Um, but not not challenging all that stuff, not having that meta level like discussion in your head in your in your off hour. And just enjoying the city and laying down in the park and like recharging yourself for Monday or for Sunday or whatever like day you wouldn't be working. Um, there's a day you wouldn't be working? What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, we, San Francisco, there's shit to do. There is shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> but like sometimes like it's very, very important to get your, to get the job done. And the job doesn't just listen to 40 hours a week or something. Right. But yeah, like not having those like meta challenges in your head. Tend, tend to help a lot. And so I think what's important for when you think about your career trajectory, which is what I st- kind of started thinking about after I had left Instagram, because then it wasn't a logical, oh my God, I'm moving across the world I'm, and I'm going to work for like the coolest company. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm making a lateral shift into working for another one of the coolest companies. Sweet. Um, but then I started thinking about um, okay, first I want to get the lay of the land of this new team mm-hmm. and like how does this work? Mm-hmm. And then only then can I start thinking about like what what do I want to do here and how will this fit into my career trajectory? And so what I the two things that I knew that I wanted before I joined Search at Facebook was I wanted to learn more about data analysis and I wanted to um work on a extremely big nebulous space that wasn't that didn't have any clear touch like vis- visible touch points sometimes so the way i always like to say this is when i worked at instagram it was like you launch a thing everyone loves you like you know puppies rainbows unicorns all this kind of stuff you know video goes up whoa and all this kind of stuff uh-huh. um and then when you work at when you work on a search team, it's like you're hidden behind a box. No one really knows how many people work on this. They think it's probably mostly engineering. Like all these details get lost because if you do your job right, no one should know that you're working here. And that was also very interesting to me because that was a completely different experience to a lot of what I'd done in the past, which was like independent design work, 
agency, like having an agency and like having to present this agency or like working at like a startup that is just in, in the people's like in eye, um, in the public eye. And so then after three months, I realized, well, one of the things that I care about this data stuff is like awesome. I completely don't care about the fact that it's like invisible, which is exactly what it should be like. Like if, if I do my job right, it should be invisible. And it's kind of a, just like magic that no one really sees, which is awesome. Um, and then the third one was um, there is a opportunity here for me to help push this team in the right direction. And that's where like the, um, the indirect kind of impact comes in, you know, like, like figuring out what is the story that we're telling. Um, I was very worried about uh, for a long time, search did what we call internal dog fooding, which is when you use your own product, we would like the team would launch these internal tests over and over again every other month or so. And so you'd be using this like beta version of Facebook before it went out the door and it had like all these kind of crazy experiments and stuff that was broken. And that made it that the team, that there was like fairly low trust sometimes and like the quality of the product. And so pairing that back and making sure that we we are very comfortable with what we're doing and we're not just like shooting in, in the wild. That was one of the things that I cared a lot about. And then we said, kind of started pairing that back. And also just like really starting to care about lowest common denominator experience. Like people who are not in the shiniest version of the product who live in Eastern Europe or something with like low bandwidth, like LTE or not even LTE connections, right? Like mm -hmm. how do we make sure that their experience is great? Like um, maybe design is making a, um, a strong case for like on device caching and that it's fine that that cache is out of date by a week, but it's like a list of your friends. Like how, how fast is that going to change? Right? Mm -hmm. um, sure. There's like a difference in ranking. Maybe if you, if you chat with someone for a long time, because like we know kind of like your friend relationship, but like that stuff kind of doesn't like in the grand scheme of things, it's way more important to immediately see like Brian and Bryn when I do BR on, on search and not having to wait and not having to send a bite down the line than it is to make sure that you're like ranked accordingly. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of stuff, you know, like that's not, that's not any pixels. That's literally just like, hey, how do we how do we think about this? Like, like what were the infrastructure decisions that were made here? Like, why do we think this is do we think this is a good idea? Mm -hmm. Can we make this better? Going back to why engineering is actually part of the user experience, right? Yeah. And like it's it's the interesting part is like if you talk about engine with engineers about design, they have so many like design parts of their job. They need they need to design the infrastructure, they need to design like Especially like when you have a very complex product like Search, which has like the the base like index, which is like everything, and then it has a bunch of sub indexes, and then it has like lookup tables where you can quickly grab something from. You know, talking with someone who can talk you through the whole infrastructure is just fascinating, because then as like as like a designer, you can be like, hey, can we make a new lookup table for that would make this experience faster? Like, do we think this is important? That kind of stuff, like, yeah. you know, that's like true day-to-day -day impact on people's lives. And yeah, that's not like shipping a thing out of the door with a big launch video and stuff like that. But that's so important because 
a billion people are going to be doing this every day. And so a billion times, we're not going to send data down the line. And so if you actually think about like networks that uh, where people pay, like they have this like kind of pay to play like model where it's like, oh, you need to top up like $10 for 10 megabytes or something. How important it is for them to not have to spend a bit on finding their best friend on Facebook mm-hmm. um, or not have to not have to even like worry about like using your app and like spending data. That's also like a whole like like realm of design that probably doesn't get enough credit because it's not shiny. Uh, we should talk about a camera. <laughs> talk about a camera. Uh, we can. Well, so we normally like to end the show by asking what yeah. keeps you up at night. Yeah. But as much as you want to say, like, I'm curious, mm-hmm. since we've been talking about career trajectory and like all these different factors and the ways you think about it, like what puts you to sleep at night? <laughs> no, like where, where are you at? Like, do you want to be a director, Michael? Or are you like, are you really happy in this, this role of like helping guide people, but also like getting to, to touch the product? What do you want to do? Like you've had all these experiences and worked on invisible, unsexy problems to Instagram and the sexy rainbows and unicorns. Like, what do you want to do? I think that I'm I'm really enjoying helping people like think through their problems that they're having in their careers now. And I get to do that a lot like internally, but also like sometimes like, you know, when you're at XOXO and you like, have had a couple of drinks and you're just like hanging out on a meadow, like and you just talk through stuff. Right? This is so specific. Um, <laughs> it's like you were there. Oh my um, God. <laughs> um, Did I think we live that, this? Yeah. Like I want to do more of that and I'm like actively trying to get myself in more of those situations. Um, Freelance manager Michael Lomans. <laughs> no, I would never. Like, Career manager Michael I would Lomans. never want to make it my job, um, but I would definitely want to like, I'd, if if anyone ever needs something, like when they're stuck with a problem, just let me know. And like maybe, maybe I can be only of 1% of help or something. Designer right? therapist Michael Lomans. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, um, this is like relevant to um, World Mental Health Day, like two weeks ago, a week ago, where I think that's like a big problem. And like there there's a pretty big movement like starting around this now where there's a lot of stuff that we end up in our heads with that we just don't talk about unless we put ourselves in a situation in which we talk about them which is that's kind of a very abstract but no i know you like you have to be in a meadow in portland drinking i mean you can do that um but <laughs> that's yeah, one like, mechanism where, yes. what, what other places can you do that i mean <laughs> but so and so these are the situations like like conferences like xoxo are like perfect for this um brooklyn beta back in the day was perfect for this um i think that um the best thing that i've always learned about conferences is that you get together with people who are generally who generally have the same point of view and and kind of general mindset mm-hmm. about things um and you have a a um you have a shared language with and with that language you can talk about different things than design this and, is like the upside of a bubble i think yeah. or like a enclosed mm-hmm. group yeah and so and so you come from all all parts of the world and you get to like talk with other people in the same language. And like, even if you're like, even if your English is broken, 
and or like it's like suboptimal and you like fly over from say like a Germany or something, you can with the terminology that we use and a lot of the language that we use, we can actually have a conversation about life, about a hobby, about like a relationship problem that 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 you have with someone. Um, and because you're strangers, it's actually like way easier to open up, which like is also like pretty interesting. Or because there's kind of this unspoken rule of like, um, this is a safe space. We can actually talk about this. Like I'm, I'm, there's a, like, I'm not going to gossip about like what you're telling me. I'm not going to be like, Hey, this guy, like friend DA. Yeah. Friend DA. And so getting, not just myself into more of these situations, but I think that like as, as an industry, we need to get ourselves more in these situations, not from like, not the ones where we're like very clicky and, oh, hey, like it's the same six people over and over again, um, like going to do cool stuff, but also the kind of middle ground between that and a 150 person, like 6 p.m. happy hour in, in, in SF, right? Like I think there there is a middle ground there where we can help each other out, like, a lot. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a format of a book club or something. It can just be like, Hey, let's get like six people together for dinner and talk through things. The number six is very specific by the way, because I don't think that you can keep a single topic conversation thread going past six, like eight always turns into two groups of four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're going to have to like do this weird, um, almost like synthetic move of like, Hey, Let's rotate chairs right can, now. Can we do a pull request <laughs> on this conversation, please? <laughs> Spork. Merch. But yeah. Um, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Um, We're going to ask it anyways, I guess. Yeah. No, I was going to ask it no matter the, what. It's it's a cheap answer right now because because it's like the 7 Plus camera and portrait mode, which I just like wrote this article about. <laughs> very nice. Uh, My phone. Oh. It takes great night <laughs> shots. It's... It's not that. It's just the fact that it just. I was just making a portrait up at mode night joke. Yeah. <laughs> portrait, <laughs> portrait mode is this. Um, when I first heard them talk about it at the keynote, I was like, "Oh no, fake bokeh!" Like they're gonna do some magical computer shit to stuff that was supposed to be really nice and pure. Um, and then when I first played with it, I was like, holy crap, you can do this with a phone? Um, and that's, I haven't had that since in like five years or something. Um, so so if you truly go back in like the mobile photography realm, like the iPhone 4 was kind of this like this spot where they started rivaling point and shoots that people had in their pockets. Not point and shoots that were being released in that year, but like people buy a point and shoot and then they have it for like five, 10 years. So the quality of that camera was being rivaled with a phone. And so it was good enough to just have an iPhone 4 in your pocket um, and then take take photos with that. And then they, around that time, Instagram came out. Around that time, like Facebook became like more of a mobile company and really doubled down on like on like their app. Um, there were a lot of different like other sharing like platforms like Path like back in the day and Twitter like started focusing on photos too, and so um, and we had like you know TwitPic and all this kind of stuff you know and so it started becoming really easy to share from your phone, which is where where phones all of a sudden had this killer app over over a point and shoot camera. So the phone became your camera, 
And then Apple very heavily iterated on this, and and most Android phones were trying to catch up on onto this quality, but never really could. I haven't played with a Pixel yet, um, so I can't say it about that one. But it was primarily iteration. I think probably the iPhone 6 was the first one where you would like you got some kind of macro-esque qualities where there was some depth of field, but still, like, you know, optics only go so far. And so this is why this magical, like, machine-learned AI blur is kind of ridiculous. It's kind of, like, I don't want to say the word revolutionary, but it kind of is. And the reason why, to me, it is, is because for the last two years, people have started posting more and more DSLR photos on Instagram, where they were, they were principally always iPhone only. And the reason why they started using DSLR, DSLRs again, or like mirrorless cameras or whatever they could like bring along, is because depth of field is so important when it comes to telling a story with a photo. It is so important to put a single part of an image in focus and to draw a person's eye. Mm-hmm. And now that you can do that with a like tiny iPad that you put in your pocket, hopefully soon <laughs> with like an actual phone size thing again, that's awesome. That's You can look at everything again and just be like, oh, I can totally isolate out this mug from the beautiful backdrop light. Um, right now in the studio here. And I could have never done that unless mm-hmm. I would have brought a camera along. And that that has me really excited. The It's super early stage, so this, like, the low light is really bad. <laughs> um, but um, but it is, like, going to be awesome. Like will, it's gonna, the, will this mean you don't carry your DSLR um, as I, much? I already don't carry it as much, but... Probably, I'll I'll start taking more photos with my phone again. I like for the longest time um, would always carry my my Leica around mm-hmm. as like my primary photo taking device, and I just stopped caring about the photos that my my iPhone could take. And now now I care again. You that's know, like, huge. That's that's, huge, that's crazy. Right? Yeah. And so now the problem with it is that like specifically portrait mode is really slow, so you're not gonna like like pull it out of your pocket and then like be ready to immediately take a shot. Um, which is why I sadly missed this like spread eagle bulldog in the middle of the street who kind of got <laughs> up wait just a little bit too fast. Um, and there's like more, I guess, like cognitive load and like, oh, am I going to shoot this in portrait mode? Or am I just going to shoot this? You know, like, but I think over time you can like kind of um, iron out those creases, maybe always have portrait mode on in the background, you know. I, we'll like see. HDR. Well, yeah, like, like where it like, takes like multiple like photos, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and maybe it becomes a default. And then what, what Apple has done or will have done is the lowest common denominator photo quality of a phone that you can buy right then is that, which mm-hmm. is everyone all of a sudden takes DSLR photos. And like the world looks kind of like beautiful and crazy and holy shit, you know, like that's, that, that's awesome. There's actually a post by a guy named Stu Mashwitz that talks about both the technical like implementation of this as well as the value towards storytelling. Like you touched on all these yeah. things. I gotta show you this post. It, we'll put it in the show notes because yeah. it's it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's like the math of how they blur it. I wasn't excited about it, it until them. I read that post. Yeah. And then I was like, holy shit, like that's amazing. Yeah, I want to get one. It's too big. Yeah. That's okay. I think you get used to it. A tiny iPad in your pocket. I like it. All right. It's a nice way to put it. <laughs> now we're way over time like last time 
like last time. Perfect. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for Appreciate hanging out. It. Thank you. That's episode 169. Thank you to Michael for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Brian for putting up with it. If you need more voices in your head, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network where we have uh, shows and blogs and all kinds of content to help designers and developers level up. If you need more podcasts, uh, you can find them there. We're cranking them out weekly, all with the goal of helping you level up. Uh, So go check out our other stuff. We do other stuff, turns out. At spec.fm. And of course, before we leave you this week, uh, thank you again to Wayno for making this episode possible. Wayno's a really cool agency. They do really amazing work. And they're only slightly less weird than this. Wayno uh, is composed of some of our favorite people doing absolutely killer work. Inside Voices. Go check out their website at wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O dot C-O. Follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram. Get inspired on their dribble. Read Outside their case voices. studies. And if you need a new way to level up, they're hiring. They're looking for designers in New York, San Francisco. Go to wayno.co. Click the careers link in their header. Of course, tell them we sent you. And if you're ever in the area, uh, hit them up. You should check out their office. It's really rad. And they're fun people to hang out with. Hopefully their happy hours come back. That'd be really fun. Mm-hmm. Until then, thank you again, Wayno. Thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next week.